Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by two awesome co-hosts, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm excited we played some Summer Creeps. Ooh, Summer Creeps. And uh, I almost said Nate Heininger, but it's not Nate. Nate is away today. Uh, and maybe we should talk about why. Congratulations, Nate! Congratulations, <laughs> yeah. Nate has had a baby. Well, yeah. his wife did. <laughs> well, that would be really interesting. Nate has had a baby, sort of, by proxy. Daddy Nate. Way to go, dude. Yeah, congratulations if you're listening. Um, we're all super proud of you, and we're, we're you know, not even a little bit wounded that you didn't join us on this episode. And let's, uh, let's also congratulate Mom. <laughs> the best thing about it was he was like, his wife's, yeah, he said his wife's water broke, and he was like, I'm not going to be recording the episode this week. And we're like, of course you're not. <laughs> nope. Kind of a side note, while Nate's not here, did, did you guys catch the name? I didn't. You didn't? No, he hasn't actually told I us. I don't think the name. Oh, he, he would want us, the name us to. Okay. I have heard the name, but I don't think we should be saying it out onto the podcast until he's ready to announce it himself. So, has he announced the social security number yet? It's No, that's a special <laughs> ceremony. You have like one of one of 10 cakes per digit and you cut a slice each time. Well, the <laughs> and then you say it live on the podcast. Yes. That's how we're going to launch the Twitch stream, yeah. guys. Yeah, you have to make sure that the the baby's uh entire life including uh you know, credit history and so on is is uh live on Twitch. Yeah, and you don't want to mm-hmm. you don't want to put the name out there too too soon or people could poach the sweet URLs and Google accounts and Twitter addresses that uh, that child might need later in life. We all know the pain of getting that Instagram taken oh, away. Man, yeah. I don't. My Instagram, Reagan. That's pretty great. I guess everyone follow Reagan on Instagram. Anyway, how are Feel you free. doing, Shane? You never got introduced. <laughs> and I'm Shane. <laughs> and we're the short game. Uh, so yeah, this week we're talking about little nightmares. I almost called it Little Big Planet, which I think I'm probably going to do at least once during the rest of this episode. And I'll probably also call it Little Inferno. Uh, but we're talking about little nightmares this episode. Little games, so hot right now. On the spectrum, little nightmare is closer to little inferno than little big planet. If we had to put the littles on a on a spectrum, although I'd say that you could actually uh, you could actually draw lines to either of those games. You totally mm-hmm. can, yeah. And so this one is uh, it seems like it's out on everything. So I was d- happily able to uh, play it on my PS4 and my. Uh, meager free time these days which is of course why we do this show but uh, i will say if you're a mac only person uh that you are going to be sad bummer but does someone want to say what this game is about we've compared it to Who several things so can far can say what this game is about it's pretty hard to uh to classify we can we we can compare it to a lot of other games uh it's a platformer um a sort of a horror platformer in which you are a tiny raincoated child who is sneaking around a sort of stealth element in this horrifying nightmare world, uh, being chased by terrifying things.
there's actually some concrete names for these things that aren't really presented in the game, so you'd only really be aware of them if you read the developer's website. I'm sure there's some way to, to find this stuff out from the game itself, but your main character is Six, and Six is the name of the tiny raincoated girl who's apparently nine years old, uh, according to the, uh, to the information online. And she is a very hungry little nine-year-old, and she's trapped on the Maw. And the Maw is the name of this sort of vast, scary complex, this sort of industrial-looking prison-slash-factory-slash-kitchen-slash-what. We're not really sure, at least not until fairly late in the game, so that'll be in spoiler territory. Um, But the Maw is the sort of world of the game, and it's just yucky. Oh, it's revolting. Yeah, one of the first things you notice, besides all the grim and darkness of this game, um, is that the whole world is constantly tipping back and forth, like, yaw, and the, the screen is kind of just slowly shifting and moving, and you know when you start that you, you see kind of the, in the promo materials and the start, you see that you're maybe in the middle of water, but you see this kind of, it... it adds to the sense of unease that as you're trying to, you know, you're getting chased, it's dark, there's funny sounds, you don't know what's happening, and oh yeah, if you stop and think for a second, the whole world is going to tilt back and forth, and and not quite nauseating, but could be nauseating kind of way. You know, sometimes it goes out right into Spooky. the nauseating territory. It's, it's a, uh, mm-hmm. it, there's definitely... <laughs> some elements of this game's design that want to make you make you want to throw up <laughs> for a variety of reasons uh, and not the least of which are the giant uh, i guess that if the, you know the player's character is a is a child which you know these are adults but they're monstrous adults like the uh the the first one that you encounter has arms the 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 size of like long enough to reach uh. out and grab you f- from almost every corner of the room and this horrifying like melted almost face and just disgusting revolting creatures and there's no hiding from these creatures like these these things have very good ai there's lots of things that will make noises and and you so you're you're running and hiding a significant portion of the game you're totally powerless except for one thing uh, and that's that you carry with you a lighter and you can use the lighter to light these lamps in the dark uh, that even as I've played it, I still haven't gotten to a point where it, it seems like there's no mechanical point to it. Right. Are they save you can think points? Of them as ba- I think. No, they're they're essentially like a collectible. There's a couple of collectibles that you can kind of get throughout the game, and I think there are achievements and some unlockable masks tied to some of them. Um, but you can you can light those little lamps throughout the game. But I think those are mostly just there to like mark. Okay, I've been here. And uh, there's also these dolls, these porcelain dolls that you find occasionally that you can crush, and those will um, uh, those will sort of uh, evaporate into weird little sparkles Mm -hmm. and it seems to be that that's kind of a collectible as well i didn't find all of them so i don't know exactly what you get when you uh when you complete them but um yeah it's it's a very linear sort of i would say it's a puzzle platformer but the puzzles are really really light it's mostly it mostly sort of around this uh progression by stealth or by you know finding keys that sort of basic stuff you basically run the gauntlet 
And it is a gauntlet. <laughs> There's places where you have nothing that you can do but just run flat out, uh, and they'll they'll test your your platforming ability a little bit during those. And there's but there's other places where you have to be incredibly patient and just uh, find just the right way to escape from a situation alive uh, after being killed again and again and again. And if I have one part of this game that didn't sit totally right with me, it's it's that it was just extremely difficult to get through certain parts of it. And you are often redoing the same thing over and over again because you're being caught uh, by this horrible monster uh, because you just can't time that one jump just right uh, over and over and over again. So I want to I want to talk about that a little bit because so we can compare and contrast this a bit with a couple of other games that we've talked about on this show and we talked a lot of sugar about them, um, uh, Limbo and Inside, both by Playdead. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we talked about Limbo earlier this year and first off, uh, I I want to try to make sure that there's no spoilers for Limbo in this. Excuse me, spoilers for Inside. Um, Limbo, I think the uh, statute of limitations is up on that one, but um, also its spoilers are a lot less spoilery. But uh, Inside, yeah, yeah, uh, Inside, uh, I want to make sure that there's no spoilers for Inside in this episode. So you guys call me out if 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 I if I slip up. But something that I so this game and Inside have a lot in common to the point where you would think that these developers looked at Inside for their inspiration. Although I don't think that's the case, they were really just sort of parallel creations. You know, this game was originally announced in 2014, uh, and at the time it had the, the title Hunger, which actually I think is a much better title than uh, than uh, Little um, uh, Nightmares. Little Nightmares. I, yeah. The, the, the title Little Nightmares doesn't quite work for me. It kind of calls up this idea that. It's all a dream, which kind of negates some of the reality of the game. It's not a realistic game at all. but Yeah, Hunger is a way better title. Why didn't they stick with that? Well, I think Hunger sounds like a more adult game in the sense that Hunger feels like a... Hunger feels like it's a Silent Hill-y type game. Yeah. And this is not a Silent Hill type game. Hunger feels like one of those really frothy, red blood drenched games. And this Mm -hmm. is not necessarily red blood drenched it's more like black blood drenched yeah <laughs> like it's it's a much it's more a grimy 13 it's still scary like children shouldn't really play this game no it's there's horrifying imagery but it's older children no i kind of disagree i think this if a kid one thing i thought was good about this game is that as it ranked ran, ratcheted up the difficulty of the platforming it also progressively got a little bit more and more uh horrific like and you don't ever see a moment of actual violence in this game until you reach an area past the kitchens you're only at well no in the kitchens you the the so in the early game and this is getting into the story and the parts but um i feel like this is has a slow lead in because in the early game if the creepy man catches you all that happens is he catches you, and it cuts to black. You don't see what happens. Um, later in the game, in, in the next, 
big area. It, if, I, I should add to that, caught. Shane. It, it seems heavily in, in, heavily implied that he's killing you. Like it's it's not totally visible on screen, but and it might yeah, not be the case. He does this but, creepy thing when when he catches you, he cracks his own neck. You know, he's like he's like creepy and always like cracking his his long and his horrible knuckles. little arms kind of hold oh, you and yeah. like grab you and and you can't see where you are like you like he hides you behind his body away from the camera so it looks like he could be strangling you it's it's definitely distressing i don't yeah. think it's like but it, it's nothing like in the next area where you're being caught by these cooks and thrown literally into cook pots and and ovens and things like that yeah, and then and that plays into what I was kind of trying to lead in on about comparing this to Inside. The, the main thing that I think this game fell down on, Shane, you were complaining about feeling like the game was unfair in the way that you were dying um, or that it was frustrating no, to I don't, be killed. I didn't say it was unfair. I just said that it has a – it requires a lot of precision and in a – in, in a stealth game, that's usually something that you expect. And in a platform game, it's something you expect. But you're not always going back and forth between those uh, in a in a game like this. And, and it's not it's not fluid in that way. You're not just like well soaring through these levels. You're going to have to repeat them again and again in order to be able to get through it. So for me, the big distinction here was like, I felt all of that that you just said is almost all of it true about Inside as well. And Inside is a game that I absolutely loved. I liked this game, but I didn't like it anywhere near as much as Inside, which was like top shelf A plus recommendation. And for me, I think the the distinguishing factor there is that Inside, it gave you floaty controls and made you do things that were relatively precise and somewhat sometimes occasionally, we're not talking about like um, like NES era, like precision platforming or anything here, but but things that are a little bit platform challenging uh, with fairly floaty controls that you'll have to repeat, but it would kill you often. And those deaths were their own reward because the, the deaths were so, like, I'm not a sort of person who just like loves on-screen carnage or whatever, but the deaths in Inside were fascinating to watch. Each one was a little like Pixar level animation <laughs> of of a uh, of a person being brutally murdered by dogs or spikes or worms or whatever, right? And this game doesn't nail the deaths. Way less graphic. If the deaths had yeah. been more interesting and more, you know, fun to die, uh, it w- this game would have felt a lot better. My comparison for this is outside of games is Roald Dahl books. Just mm. as Roald Dahl revels in all of the grossness of the human body and pills and bur- and all this, like his his descriptions are crazy and bulbous, and but he doesn't necessarily talk about death as much as what happens to the body before it. Hmm. And that's what this game is more about. It's like much more about the weird, terrible stuff that happens before you die. And then the deaths are really like the load animation comes and you're put back somewhere. It's not like, whereas Inside and Limbo were much more about like you die a lot and the deaths are interesting this much they they didn't care as much about the actual dying part. Yeah. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a deliberate choice either. Like I think they want to do, grisly interesting deaths they just couldn't always figure out a way to make it happen or maybe that just wasn't high on their priorities list so for no, example like if they, the best part i gotta on. totally so the, disagree go ahead so so the, i think the best part of the game in this regard was the kitchens area and that's where like you see these de- like a lot of the deaths in the kitchens area are really great they're very con- very like circumstantial 
circumstance driven. So I was trying to sneak through the kitchen. You're sneaking past these horrible, fat, gross, disgusting uh, chefs. And if I got caught near an oven, they'd grab me, they'd go over to the oven and toss me in. But if they caught me near the fish, they grabbed me and stuffed me inside of a fish. Like there's tons of different possible deaths there. Whereas a lot of the other places, it's the same deaths again and again. You know, the, the janitor kills you in the same way every time. But I think it's a shift in the way in what they found important, because this game is about the anticipation and the fear that death is coming. It's the it's the it's the false alarms is, are much more important. Yeah. Like to me, that's what this game is about. It's about worrying you're going to die. And the death is almost the time where you catch. That's the exactly uh, it, what I was going to say. Like it's the shift. It, it's a game where. Unlike inside, I would scream when I was about to get caught in this game. This game can scare you because this is a game that is about being searched for more than it's about being chased or being caught. Yes, mm. it's way more about being chased than uh, and hunted than it is about being found. I'm not saying that it's a good or bad thing that the deaths aren't particularly creative, but to me, it was the the times that disappointed me were when I died because. I knew how to solve the puzzle and I was failing. And in that type of thing, a limbo was going to praise me. Like, even if I died and fell on spikes, like, I, I would, that was entertaining. This game wasn't really concerned about that being entertaining because it was much more about kind of going through these rooms. And like, if I kicked something, like, I ran into a train set earlier in the game and I got really scared that I had, it was going to trigger a monster. So it was all about standing still for another minute realizing that was going to happen and moving on. Like, had that triggered a death, I think I would have been... Like, instantaneous deaths kind of were not upsetting, but they felt a little tedious in this game. I rather would know my death was coming way ahead of it and be powerless to stop it. How existential. (laughs) That is deep. I also think that the checkpointing kind of led to some of the frustration with these deaths. Um, like, I wasn't a. I, I, sometimes the checkpoints were absolutely rational, perfect. Like, there's, you know, there's obvious sort of gotcha death places, and, you know, usually in those circumstances, the checkpoint is right next to it. So, you know, it, it, Inside did that really, really well. The checkpoints were always exactly where you would expect, and you never really felt like you were backtracking too far, even if you were dying repeatedly. Here, Sometimes that's true, and sometimes the checkpoints are, are kind of off. For example, um, I I ran into one circumstance where I got caught by the janitor in the first level, but I got caught close enough to the door that it triggered the cuts the the checkpoint. So he killed me, and then I was in the next room. Um, but there were other probably many more than that were like the opposite of that. Like I thought I was safe, but I wasn't quite. And then turned out that the checkpoint was like three rooms back and I had to do a lot more sneaking than I wanted to do. So it, the checkpoints are not always perfect. I think that that's probably one of the one of the easiest complaints to, to levy, levy at the game. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I really expected 
the lamps to all be save points. And I oh, think yeah, I think it would say there was a save icon that would appear on screen that you kind of had to eye. Uh, an eye that you had to watch for. So that was the only indication that you'd hit any kind of a save point. And that was easy to not really pick up on. If they had just hinted at it at some in some way, like had some kind of save point, you know, marker that you walk past, maybe every time you see one of the little uh, the little mushroom boys. Oh yeah, yeah. Little, was, little hug friends. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. We haven't mentioned those yet, but those guys were one of my favorite things in this game. The whole of this complex is is full of these little gray mushroom cap mushroom kids and little behatted things and they're um they're you know about your size so they're small and if you can get to them mostly they just scatter whenever they see you but if you walk up to one you can hug it and it makes a little <laughs> noise and then once yeah. you, once you hug it they like they like follow you around a little bit and they, they'll like imitate you and stuff it's very 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 super good I yeah, thought the first good. time that you got it that it was part of the puzzle because I, I didn't realize you had to go uh-huh. back into the room where it came. So I thought I, I thought for sure that I needed to have this little dude help me. And I was like, ah, it's going to be like the new um, Monument Valley and I'm going to have a buddy that's going to help me solve puzzles together. Yeah. And so I was picking up this little dude and just throwing it, yes. trying to make it like <laughs> throwing it places and being like, go, go flip that switch, little buddy. Yeah, <laughs> just I know kind exactly of go, what you're talking about. I did the exact same thing for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. I had to go watch a YouTube video to realize that what I was doing was pointless because it seemed so like this has got to be the next were, thing. Reagan, right? were you throwing it at but the white so tube sock? Because that's what I was throwing yes, it at. The white the tube white sock. Tube sock. Yes. It's like, I don't know why I'm throwing this mushroom boy at the gnome at the white tube sock, but like, there's a white tube sock. That's got to be important, right? Nope, nope. And that whole room was a dead end. That was like a great room, but also really frustrating from that perspective, because I was like, this has got to mean something, but nope, that entire room was yeah, a dead there end. Yeah, were, there were a few places where that's the kind of situation where I feel like more playtesting and more of a focus on the fun would have revealed these things that, like, everybody's going to do. And if you're the designer, you want to reward it. So, like, there was there was that. Like, something should have happened when I threw the Mushroom Boy at the tube sock. But you know what else? Uh, I should have, when I was trapped in the bathroom, uh, and I did a insane jump to get into the sink and managed to find that hidden in the sink there was a bar of soap, and then spend fucking 10 minutes throwing that bar of soap at everything in the room, including the <laughs> mirror that I had to smash to get out and nothing happens. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing where you'd want the soap to like hit the mirror and like a ghost hand writes, that is not the way to get out. It should I at know. least break <laughs> no, the mirror no, I'm in the teasing. same way that the yeah. like, can that I missed uh, and didn't try to exactly. the mirror broke it. Uh, you know, like they, they should be finding these ways to reward that kind of experimental play. And I thought inside does a great job of that because everything, everything's either you did it or you didn't do it and you didn't do it (laughs) is more interesting in inside than in almost any game that I think you can find. 
Uh, so it's um, yeah. I was having trouble early in the game. I was trying to jump on some toilet paper, and I I actually sat and stacked up all the toilet paper so I could get taller, and then it just fell over. And I was like, oh, I'm clearly not supposed to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll at least give it credit for having incredible physics, yeah. uh, like an incredible like we we talked a little bit about the the look of the game, right? But like the game is absolutely gorgeous. Like uh, I I like and really really admire the look of Inside, um, but. This this game, while I'm not a hundred percent like super into its aesthetic, like I'm not a I'm not like a um, horror game enthusiast, and the this sort of like grim dark kind of um, I don't really know what you what you compare this to. I mean, I keep referring to like stop motion graphic, like yeah. animation, like Coraline, um, like the like the box trolls like anything that that studio puts out just because it's got so much physicality yeah. and there's so much like a lot of the things we cover on short game are minimalist everything is beautiful and sleek and you know covered in one or two colors and this is like 13 textures and everything looks like there might be erupting in boils anytime or like the rest on the walls look like they're going to give you tetanus like it's it's not in that horror movie um, genre. Like it, it, it looks kind of like it's got a coat of whimsy added to it. It's yeah. still scary, but that's why I think Little Nightmares. I know Hunger is a like it's a more powerful title, but Little Nightmares I think is trying to hint at that whimsy, yeah. that like a yeah. little bit of like pulling it back just a tad it's saying this is this is about the things that a child is afraid of yeah it's kitty it's kind of cool to have that sort of realism of like super high-res textures and very kind of good physics uh and lot you know incredibly sharp really attractive graphics i'm not a graphics guy to but it looks so good like the first level i was like oh my god i was looking at everything just trying to move everything around, see every side of everything. But it, it it's kind of contrasting that, that sort of like realism in the textures with this incredible surrealism in the character models and also somewhat with the architecture. The a most obvious example is that first bad guy enemy, the, the janitor, uh, whose elbows reach the floor and then his arms extend all the way out like like horrible spider claws. Like that guy is terrible terrifying looking um so it's it's just a it's just a really effective art style that i really really liked it's probably the strongest thing about the game for me yeah and i think almost all of the things that i really dug in this game were those little details seriously no pun intended but um i I wrote it in the outline and then said basically don't say this laura and then i just said it again yeah you couldn't you couldn't (laughs) help yourself i couldn't help myself um it's it's the little things like this is stupid, but the game makes you calibrate your the, how dark your TV is. It makes you calibrate to see black, which made me be able to play this game in the summer <laughs> because so many games don't care. And this one's like, hey, what is the lightest gray on black you can see? Great. We're going to shift the whole game so that you can see things because the lighting in this game is so effective. And if I hadn't been able to see tiny outlines on black... This game would have been unplayable and not scary because pitch black is not scary. Being able to see the outline of something coming towards mm. you in blackness is terrifying. And it's that kind of 
detail and that kind of subtlety that I think they really took the time on in this. Game. I agree with that. I, I, there were even moments where like I was whipping out the lighter and waving it around just because sometimes spotting something in the dark was just key to figuring out how to escape from a room. Yeah. And so waving around uh, the lighter, you're able to like cast new light on shadowy areas and, and sometimes spot stuff. Yeah. This game has amazing like dynamic lighting, like being able to carry your little lighter around and, and cast that light on things. And it's, it's just instantaneous, very realistic. Um, and it's like an important part of the gameplay. And like, this game is built on Unreal Engine 4, which is kind of like, I think, a, a, a good engine for that sort of thing. But like, I I don't know. I was I was blown mm-hmm. away by the um by the by the just the, the simple like lighter. It's like looks really, really good. Yeah. And you get to cradle it <laughs> when you run. When I got it, I immediately was like, oh, we're going to have light puzzles. But I guess they're hanging on to those for the DLC. Oh, yeah. Weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I better hoard this lighter because surely if I use it too much, some bat demon's gonna come kill me like i thought the lighter was gonna ah, like, like attract so enemies I, no like does nothing <laughs> well the first enemy can't even see uh the the janitor he's blind so he you can't um i think he's got wrapping on his face shane i think you were yeah. seeing that as like his face like dripping or whatever but i think he's actually just got some kind of wrapping around his face no i i um, think his his head is melt his the all the flesh is melting off of his head he's got like a, a hat on the top of his head and it's just his skull dude and then the whole rest of his face like melting off super creepy i'm pretty i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's a mask and i think that's because like masks right are pretty vote, important everybody. like uh important like visual theme in this um huh. he's wearing this like face wrapping i think he's blind uh, because he can't see your lighter the the next ones the chefs look like they have these horrible ugly drippy gross faces they look kind of like horrible fleshy hr puffin stuffs but like, <laughs> but like, it's a mask. Like there is a moment, like I, I didn't know it was, but like their eyes just have this like blank stare. They don't move the eyes, which is really unsettling. But then I realized it's a mask. There's a moment where one of them reaches up under his chin and scratches and he has a second chin under there and a second mouth. It's a mask. It's not a face. Ooh. And the, that a spoiler. <laughs> I I don't know. I I, don't I think know. it's from the second segment. So I don't know. And, and I mean, I, I you're have, fine. I probably fine. And practically every other character you encounter is also wearing a mask. Um. So I don't want to go too too spoilery there. I suppose. But like, I think masks and appearance, beauty, are a really important theme or element of this game that becomes a little clearer with the final level. Uh, and it kind of plays into the final boss fight, so I won't I won't uh, go any further than that. But it's a uh, interesting. I, I'm pretty sure that all of the adults, or I guess that they would be adults, right? I don't know what they are really. They seem to be two types of people in this game. There's the children that are tiny and waif like and being kept in cages and are being killed as food, uh, and then there is the adults who are all horrible monsters incredibly ghastly looking for one reason or another and almost all and as far as i could tell all of them are wearing masks well even if they're wearing masks their bodies are still completely messed up so yeah oh, they're horrifying <laughs> yeah Revolting. 
Uh, it's, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, is like a horror version of the by and large spaceship from Wally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, when you think about talk it, too much about horrific, like the uh, horrific vision ugh. of the future. It is. I don't know if we want to talk too much about that. So the, the the game has a sort of an end game that I I think it's not unfair to say it's it doesn't have the like stellar third act that Inside has, but it does have a kind of a turn uh, once you get past the kitchens that is weird and unsettling and you learn a little bit more about the world of the game. And I don't think we want to go there because I don't think we're going to do a spoiler break today. But um, yeah. so gross and strange (laughs) and that's it for the short game guys (laughs) yeah so this game is mostly comparisons to other games us talking about the art style because it's amazing and making lots of sound effects because it's atmosphere because if you (laughs) because like you know if you like that kind of macabre stuff and you will want to stay in this world. Like, look at the pictures, honestly. Mm. If the pictures get you, you're probably going to super love this game. Yeah. And if you do super love this game, there's more of it coming out uh, right now. So we haven't had a chance to play any. I, I've completed the game. I liked the ending quite a bit. I felt like it was a completely self-contained, you know, beginning to end done experience. And yet there's DLC, which I think is really strange in this type of game. Like, this is a weird game to have DLC for at all. But apparently it has a DLC pack that the first chapter has just come out, and I haven't had a chance to explore it yet, but it's called The Secrets of the Maw. And it seems to be essentially a concurrent but separate story with three chapters. I think this game, like the full game overall, had five. Um... So it's three more chapters that one is out now and the other two are coming out a little later this year. And the third and final chapter, I think, is coming out in January, which is kind of a long um, period for that sort of thing, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. How do we feel about that? Like, this is a weird game to have DLC for. I actually I actually feel fine with it. I'm not sure that I'll wind up picking it up, but um, I, I think it's. You know, if if you really dig this game, one of the things that we're saying as a criticism of it is that we feel like they could have done more with the mechanics that they had. You know, things like the candle and or lighter or things like that, and and or or maybe that they could have gone deeper on certain things. And I'd like to see if they do that in uh, in a sequel. That's interesting. Like every other short game we love, this game got dinged for being too short. But I think in this. I think it's because people wanted, like, because they saw the quality of this world and the riches of the world and thought that there were going to be a billion more levels in it. And so in that sense, the DLC seems to make sense for those people. Yeah. Well, I don't um, know if it'll make sense for the people who are like, 20 bucks for, for a three to four hour oh, game. No, I, like, I think and- they just said they were expecting, a, like, I don't think they, they didn't complain about cost. They were just saying it felt short. Yeah. Well, it depends on how folks, you know, where folks come at that. Some folks do have this very, obviously our show is is all about, you know, these sorts of shorter kind of self-contained experiences. Um, and so we're not really on the like, you know, divide uh, dollars by hours kind of 
you know, scoring here. But uh, if you are, and why are you listening to our show, uh, then this probably, the DLC will probably kind of rub you the wrong way. I think it's an interesting choice. I'm going to wait for all of the DLC to come out and so I can see some reactions to it before I kind of make a decision about diving back in and playing some more Little Nightmares. But I, I am mm-hmm. interested. What would what would bring you back? Let's say that, do you know, do we even know the pricing on the DLC? Nope. Let's say it was 10 bucks. What would bring you back for another 10 bucks worth of uh, Little Nightmares? It is $10. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I think I would definitely... I'm interested I'm interested in the world, and I want to know more about the Maw. I want to know more about, like, why are these children being held here? Uh, what is What is the... What is the world of this game? As surreal as it is, there's a certain sort of groundedness to it, or at least like attempt at kind of setting up a internally consistent world. Um, more so than I expected. I was kind of expecting this like uh, surreal nightmare world where nothing makes sense and nothing is true kind of scenario when I heard it was nightmares. Um, but it's not a dream world. This is, or, you know, it probably is somewhat, but it's it's a, uh, it's, it's a concrete world, or at least in a sense, uh, even if it's a little surreal. And so it's, I want to know more about that world. So if the, if the um, DLC is extending that story and maybe takes us outside the mall, or I mean, the title is the secrets of the mall. Maybe, maybe we're going to learn some more deeper information about the, the world of the game. I, I'm kind of down for that. So I think I would be up for the DLC. Um, I, I'm not super up for, you know, for, playing you know one more chapter of this game now and another in the fall and then another one in january so this might be more something where i'll check out all three chapters once they're all out and i can play them in a sitting because this whole game i played in two sittings i don't think it's something where i really want to do like you know a 45 minute return to this game for me the expansion pack just feels like it should have been done around halloween (laughs) like i um i i think that I don't mind little snacky expansion packs, but I worry about um, feeling like it's a complete episode because each little chapter feels like you're going straight into the next one and they do build and the build is one of the best parts of this game. Mm -hmm. So I'm not adverse to I'm not averse to DLC. I'm concerned that. In a horror game, you need time for atmosphere to be effective. Like, yeah. I remember when I was in acting, they were like, no one pays, no one should ever put exposition in the first scene of a play with accent because everyone's going to spend the first five minutes tuning into the accent. Mm. So it's just jokes and people making funny sounds. <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. what the atmosphere in this game is. Yeah, because like you, you really have no exposition because you shouldn't stick plot in before someone tunes you to an accent. In a game like this where atmosphere is king, you need a lot of creeping around and like wandering through nothing and trying to figure out what the threat level is. And I worry about a DLC setting that tone. That's a really good point, Laura, because I think it took me at least half of the first chapter to kind of get comfortable with the way this game was going to work. And uh, yeah, like I, I... I think like a 45 minute snack of this game just just wouldn't put me in the right space. Oh, uh, one one further thing: if you really were interested in the world of the game, there may be a and maybe you're the sort of person who can't wait for the DLC. Well, then you're in luck, possibly because it looks like there's a lot more little nightmares coming to us in other media. 
Yeah, I, th- you, when you told me this earlier, you blew my freaking mind. Because what? <laughs> In our stellar um, preparation for this game, I was double-checking the names of the developers on Wikipedia, and um, we found out, yeah, television adaptation, and the names involved are incredible. Like, there's Henry Selleck, who worked on James the Giant Peach, and there's the Russo brothers, from, who directed Captain America Winter Soldier. What? Like, it's not even that they're heavy hitters. It's that I don't understand why they're all in this game. The director of Nightmare Before Christmas is an excellent choice to bring this Absolutely. to the screen. But it's a it's just so strange to me that, that this is, like... I mean, obviously, this has to have been ongoing before the game even came out. Um, so it it's coming out... It's a TV series. Did it say what network or what, like, service or whatever is doing this? This game could be such a good pairing with like a scary kids movie, you know. It, it can really work. It just it just has to have a lot there, you know. It has to be really good movie, and it'll drive people back to this game. And the game could promote the movie. I don't know. Maybe this is the tie-in of the future. Well, it's a weird game to have a movie or I mean, TV show tie-in. Apparently, it's going to have a. Uh, uh, it's going to be a series like a. I'm not sure if it's going to be something more like a like a, um, a miniseries or like an ongoing show, but I, I can't imagine what this TV show will be like. Like, I cannot imagine. So the Russos, apparently, the Captain America Winter Soldier directors, they acquired the TV rights in a pretty, like, competitive bidding war because uh, Selleck was teased to be involved and they got excited about it, doing a stop-motion TV series. So... Who knows what that'll end up. Million pilots have come and gone. I'm still waiting for my Why the Last Man TV show. But (laughs) hypothetically, this could be a television show. Mm -hmm. And it would be a very gross, disturbing, upsetting, and odd one, which I'd probably like very much. You know, I guess the lesson I've learned is that these days, anything can say it's going to be a TV show. Did you guys just freeze or was that a really bad joke? No. What? <laughs> I think we were just letting that the horror of that sink into our bones. Oh. All right. So very, very strange. And uh, we'll probably know more about this sometime in, I don't know, 2029 or something. Um, by, the, by which point we'll all have forgotten that uh, this game even existed. But um, neat. Yeah. And that news is literally like two weeks old. So... That's why there's no more information. Next time, I'm really excited to talk about a really small game, a little game for iOS uh, called Card Thief. That's from the creator of a of a game called like Card Dungeon, I think. Anyway, it's like a it's right up my alley because it's a D and D themed kind of game. You know, you're a little thief, except it's focused just on that thief character sneaking in and performing a heist. And it's a fun mobile game, but what's great about it is it's all cards, and it's all playing out in this tiny, 
three by three play space. And what they're able to do with this game in such a small play space, I think you guys are going to find really interesting. I can't wait to see what you say about it. It's got really great art, and it's a really sort of um, clever sort of distillation of, like, stealth into an incredibly, like, simple form. It's uh, So I've only played through, like, the, um, the tutorials and, like, a couple of, I guess, like, levels or... I don't know, hands? I don't know what you'd even call it here. But it's just an extremely... Yeah, heists. It's just an extremely polished uh, game and just full of charm. I 100% recommend it, even though I've barely started. I just think it's going to be... I'm I'm really enjoying it. So if you're looking for a good iPhone game, uh, check out Card Thief. We're going to be talking about it next week. And uh, if you like the show the best way to support us is to leave us a review on itunes but you can also go to our website www.theshortgame.net where we got a contact form we'd love to hear from you if you have a suggestion of a game that you think would be a good fit for the show um also uh we've gotten some great emails from some uh, listeners just you know saying hi or telling us about uh an experience they had with a game that we covered we really like hearing from you it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun so please feel free to write to us we really dig that um you can find our show on Twitter as well, at underscore short game. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Nate. Oh, I, I am at again. Uh, Nate is Nate, not on the show. You, uh, he is caring for his newborn child. He'll be back. They always come back. Hi, Nate. Hi, Molly. Nate. Where are you, Nate? Shane, how, where can people find you? You can find me. Um... At home, uh, n- not yet the father of a newborn child, uh, and you oh, can man. find me. Don't go to Shane's house on Twitter uh, <laughs> at Eight Bit Shane. Yeah, don't f- actually find me at my house. I didn't give out the address. Uh, that would be creepy, guys. But gosh, what a listener response! <laughs> and Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J Nash. And thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Short Game.